0: So let's get started. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. There's a presence of God here this morning. I'm bordering on the emotional. That's unusual, eh? I don't know why. My message this morning is as much about vision as it is about spiritual gifts. And I hope you pick up on that as we go through because, church, we're entering into transformational change. God is moving us to a place where the foundational truths that have laid the platform for your Christian walk are going to be called interaction. Now, this is not a place that we need to be fearful of. Because God is already there. He is with us. His holy Spirit will conquer, will come, empower us. His love draws us. It calls us. it drives us. This is not a new place, it's a place of old, yet it's new to many. We have studied God's word and His deeds. But now is the time to enter into a new walk with God. Pastor Brad, you're the man to lead the challenge that is set before you. You have God's heart. For his people, his love for his people. Surround yourself in prayer. For you have an enemy. Stay humble. For those of you that have the spiritual gift of discernment or discernment of spirits, you'd be searching the spirit that's behind those words. Is that godly? Is, is that of the devil? Is it fleshly? Is, is this the spirit of man at work? If you have the spirit of wisdom. You might be thinking, how can we enact that? How can we bring that prophecy, those words, into being? Or maybe you're thinking, ah, maybe that's not the right time or the right place for a word such as this, Dave. If your gift is in the area of preaching, teaching, you'd be searching through your treasury trove of scripture knowledge to see, was I in context? Was it heretical in any way, shape or form? If your gift is in the area of celibacy, yes, that is a spiritual gift, you might not be thinking any of that at all. And yet maybe there are some of you here today that are feeling a little bit uneasy right now. Where's this going? What direction are we going into? Why is this happening to me right now? Why? See, I use those words for an illustration. Because the church needs self-protection measures. Once my words have been released into the atmosphere, I can't bring them back in. And words have power. And I cannot control what you do with those words. So a prophecy to an individual can damage a person. It can change the direction that a church is going. But there needs to be safeguards and measures. Because if we don't, we can end up in a place that the prophet Jeremiah tells us. You can read it in Jeremiah 5 verses 30 to 31, and it says, "An appalling thing has happened in the land. My prophets prophesy falsely. My priests my priests operate in their own authority, and my people love it so." Let's pray. Father, I pray that we are open to hear your voice this morning, not my voice, your voice, that you'd speak to our hearts this morning, that we would unclutter the thoughts that we may have or may not have about spiritual gifts, and Lord, we would see your heart this morning through these words, and we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. So spiritual gifts have been given to all those who are born-again believers. That's what my Bible tells me. We've heard two messages so far on this topic. And if you have not heard them, can I please encourage you to listen to the podcasts? Because there is some great stuff in there. And I want to draw on a couple of the things that have been mentioned by Pastor Brad and by James. And it's mainly for undergirding some of the things that I want to say this morning. And the first one of these is love. We can have very little positive outcomes without love. If you didn't know, we can operate our spiritual gifts without love. We can be very dogmatic with them, critical in the use of them judgmental with them first corinthians 13 one says if i speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love i am only a ringing gong or a clanging cymbal and not only that we can easily damage the people that we are supposed to be edifying with our gift encouraging with our gift the gift is not about you it's not about me. The second point I want to bring back today is the point that James raised about unforgiveness. And I loved how you said it, I think you phrased it, it quenches with unforgiveness, it quenches the, the spirit. It quenches the work of the spirit. It stops it in its tracks. And that is in keeping with other scriptures that, in the Bible about unforgiveness. Matthew 5.24 tells us, That we should reconcile our issues with our brother before making an offering to God. God prefers that we sort these things out before giving a sacrificial offering. The use of your spiritual gift is a sacrificial offering. We might not look at it that way, but that's what it is. Let's get rid of unforgiveness. Now, I just want to put this out there, because just because I'm up here talking about spiritual gifts... It does not make me the expert. It doesn't make Brad the expert or James the expert. None of us are experts in this. I want to give you a little bit of my background, my formative Christian years. was in the Pentecostal movement of churches. And I have experienced the use of the spiritual gifts that most of us tend to feel a little uneasy about, speaking in tongues, prophecy, interpretation, words of knowledge, the gifts of healing. I believe I've seen the genuine, but I've also seen the fake. And sadly, there can be the delusion that the counterfeit is the real thing. This is not the forum today, but this is just my background, and I just want to throw that out there so maybe you know where I'm coming from. So it's time now for the obligatory story that we we tend to... Ooh, I've got you now. So I've started this new position at the RAF base and I work at the Aviation Candidate Management Centre where we take the young and the not so young for eight hours of testing. They do 20 tests and it goes through all these cognitive domains and if they're successful their results um, lead them to being employed as as, uh, aviators in the the Defence Force. Now the first day in the role I was given the choice, so that's military first, just sit down and do it right, of uh, undertaking these tests. I was not prepared, had no idea what to really expect, and to be honest, I've never ever sat in front of a, a, you know, joysticks and foot pedals and gaming consoles. I was totally out of my depth, but I didn't have a choice. As I was getting ready to start this process, I had one of those what-if moments. What-if What if I have the aptitude to be a pilot, or an air traffic controller, or an aviation warfare officer, something like that, wouldn't that be cool? But then I think, what if I've just wasted 40 years of my military life doing the wrong thing? How would I feel then? I nearly had this moment where I just wanted to back out of doing the testing. I I just didn't really want to know. But fortunately, it didn't take long to realize I would never be a pilot. (laughs) Probably test number one, about three minutes in. (laughs) What? So can it be that we with spiritual gifts have this same sort of relationship? A reluctance to test the waters, so to speak. Or is it that you feel a bit like I did? Oh, look, I've been travelling this road for about 40 years now, been operating in a particular way, and then all of a sudden, oh, my goodness me, I've discovered I should have been doing this. I've had this gift. And maybe you feel now that that might invalidate your faith. It's funny how we do that, isn't it? Oh, we've learned a new discovery, and for some reason it's invalidated our history. No, it value adds to your history. You have experience and maturity now. It sort of tempers the gift, strengthens the gift, and you are now able to use it in your own unique individual way. The way that God wants you to use it now, because you've discovered it. Don't think, oh, woe is me. I've wasted all my life. Because I guess, to put it this way, I don't want to get to the pearly gates, if there are such a thing, and have Jesus turn around and say to me or to you, What did you do with those gifts that I gave you? Because I don't think my ignorance, I'll use the collective, our ignorance, our reluctance, our apathy, our past hurts will count for much at that point in time. So this morning, I want to challenge us to pursue the gifts and to test the gifts. I've got a couple of points, as you do. First point, what's my gift? Well, you've got to discover it, how gift surveys. And I think the church is actually... if you got that slide there, Jess? Or no, maybe? The church is currently doing a gift survey. As I said, I haven't done it yet. I've done gift surveys, but you go to that website and you can uh, access it. And the great thing about it and it's true, to, it, it is true, it, it can involve those who know you best. They often know more about your gift than you do in the first instance. They can confirm things in your life. See, See, I think I've got the gift of hospitality. Dave, you don't even like people. You never talk to people. You've got to be kidding. Or maybe, well, that's right, Dave, you... You're such an encouragement. You light up every room. Oh, I digress. I'm a shining light in a dark world. Okay, so I've now discovered I've got the gift of, brackets, insert, gift. I put 4X. On. Now what? Let the people know. Let the people know. It sounds simple. By that I mean speak with your groom, your group leader your home group leader, speak with your ministry team leader, speak with your pastor and say, hey, look, I think I have got a gift. What do you want me to do with it? How do I do that? This sounds really sort of super spiritual, doesn't it? But you may be the link that is missing in a vital work that's being undertaken within the church. With Your grooming and your development and your practice of that gift could be you, but could be the person that really is the prophet in the church. You know, going back to what I said at the start, I personally prefer my prophecies a lot less orchestrated. I've been working on that for a while, more spontaneous. That's how God uses the prophecy. Now, you can have a word for the church, but I'm talking about this prophetic utterance under the anointing of God right there and then. some spiritual gifts at work. So one of my all-time favourite stories concerns Solomon. And you can pick up this story in 1 Kings 3, 16 to 28, and his use of godly wisdom in working out who was the mother of a child. And if you don't know the story, there were two mothers, two children. One child died in the middle of the night. The other mother swapped them. And then there's this argument of who was, who was the mother of the real child. The king, Solomon, says, get me a sword, I'll cut the child in half, he can have half each. The real mother turned around and said, no, she can have it. Godly wisdom, that's how God used Solomon to work out who was the real mother of the child. Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter replies, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, Peter, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven did. Word of knowledge, straight from the throne room of God. There's a story in 2 Kings 5, verses 1 to 15. And it's a young Israelite girl, Israelite girl who is a slave to the wife of Naaman, who is a great warrior, but he has leprosy. And she says this, If only my master would visit with the prophet who was in samaria then he would cure him of his leprosy and it sets off a chain of events that sees this come to pass this word of faith jonah was a man of faith not only was he a great prophet man of faith he knew what god was going to do and ran away great faith he knew that oh but dave these are just bible characters and stories yep they are good place to start eh? finding them there but what about this one? One of our favourite church members, let's call him Jack. Hi, Jack. He turned around to me a few weeks ago and he said this. He said, "Dave, can I have a minute?" I said, "Yep." He said, "I, I sort of like it when you preach. Sort of like it, Jack." He goes, "Yeah, you you make me squirm." <laughs> You get in, you get me a little bit uncomfortable. You know, I take that as a great encouragement to me. Because if I can make this grisly old veteran squirm in his seat, hey, presto, hey, that's great, eh? Hey? See, see we, we, we can often be so polite in our encouragement. We can say nothing. Or we can say, good job. But it's a little bit different when someone comes up to you and says, hey, You challenged me in this area and God spoke to me because of this and, you know, I've now got something I can work on because that encourages the speaker. It encourages us in our gift and you can put that into whatever your gift is. If someone says, great job, you just go, yep, okay, thanks. One of the most maligned areas in church is the helps ministry. Because we don't see a lot of what they do. The church is all clean and spotless. The toilets are done. There's everything that needs to be in its place. And we overlook it because it's not necessarily somehow up the front. Do we ever take the time to go, great job team. How's that, Breck? Did I get it in for you? (laughs) Told you I would. No, we need to be those people of encouragement and exhortation. We are New Testament people. We get to write our own stories of how God is using his spiritual gifts in his church. We get to do that, but do we? We have a responsibility for these gifts. He's given them to us. They're our responsibility. I do not believe your gift comes fully formed. By that I mean we have to practice it to develop it. Now, there will be times when we nail it, sometimes more good luck than good management, I think. When we heard James speak last week of how he received a word of knowledge and he delivered it in a very public setting, that is stepping out of your comfort zone, big time. And James, despite your modesty in the way you displayed that, you generally don't get put into that position unless you have a little bit of a, more of a little bit of an understanding of your gift in operation. Because God's not going to call you out to just make a fool of yourself. By developing your gift, you know that This is the voice of God speaking to me. I know this. The gifts of pastor, prophet, apostle, evangelist and teacher are given to equip the saints in order to do the work of God. As our gift is communicated to those in spiritual authority over us, we get to learn to develop them. We are given an opportunity within a safe environment to explore them now not all gifts require the same level of development however we can't just walk up to the church and say hey I've been given the gift of administration mercy compassion helps etc etc give me a team I want to run it thank you very much because it doesn't work that way we have to somehow do a let's call it an apprenticeship so to speak And this brings me to the big area. We've already heard this word before. Thanks, Tom. This is where it can all go wrong. Submission. Big word. None of us like it, really. But first and foremost, we are to submit our gifts to God. He has given them to us to serve others, and in all humility, we should be thanking him and praying for opportunity to use them according to his will. James 4, 6, and 7 says this, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. So we submit our gifts to God. Secondly, they need to be in submission to the leadership that is over you. God has appointed people to lead. Therefore, in accordance with God's principles, you submit to their authority over you. This teaches us many things and also often shows where your heart is at. Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 and there's lots of other places throughout the Bible talk about this theme of submission, whether it be church, whether it be in families, whether it be political. Good good subject matter submission to study. Now you might think we get up on this stage and just do our own thing. Sometimes we do. Uh, no, 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 we don't. There are boundaries that are placed on us all. Pastor Brad, James and myself, we met three or four weeks ago to determine how are we going to approach this subject of spiritual gifts. We assigned areas and we this is how we'll formulate the subject matter, etc., etc. We have boundaries. The music team don't just rock up and go... Oh, we'll all just play whatever we like, however we feel right now. The music director, there's a worship leader, the musos, singers, etc., they all go through this process of discussion, rehearsal, practice. And they are in submission to the music team leader. Congratulations there, Tom. And who is also in submission to the senior pastor. All our ministries work in similar fashion. And we all learn from the good and the bad experiences. Now, I remember vividly a Sunday morning at a church service in, in Windsor in New South Wales. And I, I don't know why I was early. Maybe I was a committed Christian. I don't know. Um, but I was there early and I was watching what was going on. And the drummer turns up late again. Now, in all my stories, it's always about the drummer. I, I don't understand what happens there. But the drummer turns up late for the rehearsal and the music team leader turns around and says, you will not be required. Please sit down. The church service started and finished without a drummer. The drummer happened to be the senior pastor's son. The senior pastor called him to account after the service. Please explain to me why you were late and didn't agree and, and follow the music team's code of contract conduct. It's discipline. He was never late Again, when I first stood behind a pulpit to give a testimony, I was given two minutes. I was told that if I couldn't keep to that timeline, there would not be another opportunity for me from the pulpit. A bit harsh, I thought. Is that a bit too strict? Well, the pastor's responsible for for who speaks from this pulpit. We had to learn to be submissive to his authority. Not only that, I had to have it written out. It had to be vetted. I had to make sure that I wasn't giving glory to me. I was giving glory to God. Did I like this? Not one bit. Not at all. Because the part of me that likes attention wanted to raise its head. I wanted them to hear my pearls of wisdom. No sneak previews for you lot. No, you're going to all hear it at the same time. After all, I could nearly be a pilot, right? I seriously think I've come a long way since those days because I do seek input from others. Because let's face it, two things. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed and I don't have all the answers. But secondly, the mission is far more important than me. Far more important than me. When I was doing some reading, I like to say research because it makes me sound smarter. But anyway, as I was compiling all the data that I, oh, sorry, I was reading. I was reading some ministry notes from some oh, it's an online thing about um, about spiritual gifts that's what I'm preaching on yeah and it's interesting all the comments at the end of it, you know they're talking about the gift of prophecy, and you hear this, oh thanks, John, such a wonderful sir well, such wonderful notes as as the prophet at our church and I just, and I, it makes me sort of puke a little inside, because we are not to be known by our gift. We're to be known by the fact that we're Christ's, and we can look. If your if your authority, if your position is I'm the pastor of the church, well then you're the pastor of the church. But if I'm a prophet, I shouldn't be going hi. I'm Dave, the prophet. I shouldn't be doing that because I'm drawing glory and attention to myself. You can operate in your gift. That's fine, but we need that humility aspect surrounding it. Submission to authority is integral to the development of your gift. If we can't submit to this authority, there's a very good chance you have your own agenda and it leads to all sorts of issues from gossip to church jumping the maligning of those that you were once in relationship just because you can't get a gig doing the thing that you think you should be getting and it happens constantly especially within the pentecostal movement i'm a little cynical of some of that stuff now please don't hear dave said it's wrong to leave a church or things like that that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about submission in the use of the spiritual gift that God has given you. He's entrusted you with it. So here it is really in a nutshell. Discover your gifts. Communicate your belief in your gift. Practice using your gift. Hone them. Develop them. Be loving and gracious with them so as to edify others. Know your place in the um, impartation. By that I mean you didn't give God your gift. He gave it to you. We do it to glorify him. Oh, God is so lucky. Isn't he that I'm up here this morning being able to just deliver my goods to these people? You know, sometimes we can come across that way. Claire, can you please come up and make me sound more spiritual, please? (laughs) That's just a test to see if you're all awake. I I said at the start of this message that this was as much about vision as spiritual gifts. And I I sort of want to leave you with this thought. On August the 28th, 1963, Martin Luther King delivered the I Have a Dream speech. We're all probably familiar with maybe not all the content, but I Have a Dream. We should know that bit. And it's synonymous with the civil rights movement throughout the United States and is repeated on many occasions, even in my use today, to somehow signify an important vision or, for me, it's just take notice thing. Just please take notice of this. And whilst you hold that thought for a moment over there, I want to add something a little bit more left of centre to the mix. Spider-Man. So we've got to have something to contrast, right? Martin Luther King, I Have a Dream, Spider-Man. So in the comic book, Series, excuse me. The superhero gets a tingling at the base of his skull whenever something dangerous or is wrong, hence the phrase his spider senses are tingling. And I want to use the two in concert to just paint a little picture for you. Is it too much of a dream that we, the church, have our spiritual gifts, senses tingling? Whenever we hear of a need and hear of them, we do. If if I was to tell you now that there is a great need, let's say it's a couple of families in crisis, and and and, and we don't know them at all, and 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 sometimes, and I, this is just Dave speaking for himself here, but sometimes my you know my mercy and compassion sort of take a bit of a holiday. I don't know them. I don't. I, I tune in for a little bit, and then I think, oh no, I can't do anything there. I can't do anything there. My, my selfless acts of generosity are generally deserved for me. Can't afford to give for that. But if my spiritual, if, if I learn to engage my spiritual gifts, senses, tingling thing that I'm trying to communicate to you, maybe things might be a little bit different. God, how can I engage? Here's the need, right? Now, how can I engage my gift of intercessory prayer? How can I engage my gift of faith, my gift of helps, my gift of giving, my gift of leadership, my gift of service, my gift of teaching, my gift of wisdom, my gift of knowledge, my pastoral gift, my gift of administration, my gift of hospitality, my gift of prayer, my gift of evangelism, my gift of tongues? Imagine, if you will, the difference that would, that would make if the whole church was engaged in this mission every time, taking the fleshly out of ourselves and engaging our spiritual gifts every time. It's a sobering thought. But again, this is not new thinking. Acts 2 talks about this kind of living they prayed together they broke bread together they met the needs of all and they saw the miraculous happen and their numbers were added to were added to daily have a read of that for yourselves and as great as that is for me I like this it's the body functioning together it's the hands the feet The arms, the legs, the eyes, the mouth, etc., etc. Is that a vision we can all entertain? Because we can't leave the tasks to those that are just employed to do it. We can't leave the tasks for those that just have the mercy and the compassion and the generous gifts. We can't do that because our wisdom. Can impart. Our administration can enact. There are so many things that when we're a united body that we can do that the two or the three can't. My message this morning is finished. But I do not believe that God has finished us with us yet this morning. See, there's a lot of discussion at present. You hear it out in the hallway. You hear it in home groups, etc. about an atmosphere that is currently happening within Sale Baptist Church. There's a vibe. There's a buzz. How about we say it for what it is? God is moving. God is moving in this place. And we're picking up on it. Our spiritual spider senses are tingling. And so they should be. I'm going to call Brad up. I'm going to follow the leaf of what James did last week. I think it's appropriate that our senior pastor gets up, closes this service in prayer, closes the series. And I believe we're going to be praying for the impartation, a new impartation of the spiritual gifts that we have, that God would give us more. He's a generous God. Why wouldn't he? You know, the older you get, sometimes, oh, look, I I did that like 35 years ago and I had the gift of help. You know what? You may now have another one because sometimes we mature and we change and God impacts us and a life story evolves. And compassion now may be something that was, never had that before, but now I do because stuff's happened in my life that I've seen that has given me a compassionate heart and it's broken my heart. I encourage you, don't let the moment pass you by. Don't just go, yeah, been there, done that, heard that before, thank you very much, move on. Because we all want to be part of something where God is moving. So I'll encourage you, Brad, Pastor Brad.
1: Thanks, Dave. Um, As I was just sitting down here, take that away, thanks Tom, Um, I was reminded of a verse I shared with some of our leadership this week in Psalm 124 Um, and Psalm 124 starts with if if the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say. And then it goes on and talks about we would have been overcome, we would have been um, trampled by the waves and, and all this sort of thing but you know what I really feel God's speaking to us as a church is that. That could be our testimony. If the Lord had not been on our side, let's say that to say. If the Lord had not been on our side, let's say that say. You know, we've been talking about this idea of spiritual gifts. And, and one of the questions that we discussed in our home group, at least um, this week, was what would happen if we didn't use our spiritual gifts? How would the church go? And the truth be told, I think we would, we would go okay. We'd keep the doors open. We'd keep things functioning. But, I mean, we wouldn't see the move of God like we desperately want to see uh, we need God on our side we need to live in a way and we need to live with a, with a certain amount of faith that says if, if God had not been on our side we would have surely failed things would have gone crushing down around us uh, and so we need the spiritual gifts we need the Holy Spirit at work in our church but in every single person's life we need the Holy Spirit at work um, and for us to be moving and, and using our gifts as God would have us to and us to in Luke 11, it says, uh, I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so, what we want to do right now as we finish this series and finish this service is I'm going to ask you to stand and I want to pray for you. So if you mind standing, I'm going to ask James and Pastor Jackie and Lauren and Dave to come forward and we're going to just reach out our hands and we're going to pray this prayer of asking the Holy Spirit to fill us as a congregation, to fill us as a body again. And you might already know what your gifts are. You might be operating in gifts and, and that's awesome. Uh, but maybe this series has stirred something in you to go, Oh God, what is it? What do you, what's the gift I have? What's the gift I have? And Paul's encouragement in 1 Corinthians 14 is is to desire the gifts, desire the prophetic, desire the gifts. And so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray. So God, we thank you so much for your gift of the Holy Spirit. And God, we pray that that you would fill us again with your Holy Spirit, that you would anoint us again with your Spirit to, to move, to act, to behave, to think, to speak as you would want us to. God, that we could live in a way that, that has a testimony if the Lord had not been on our side. God, that we would live with a faith and we would live with a dependence on your spirit to do all that we need to do for your kingdom and for your glory and for your ministry. God, that we would not do this in in our own abilities or our own strength, but God, we pray that you would move through us, that you would speak through us, that you would act through us. God, that you would change our heart to become more like yours. Holy Spirit, we desperately need you to do what it is that you've called us to. And so, God, we ask for a fresh feeling of your spirit, a fresh awareness of the gifts that you've placed on our life and a fresh courage to step out and use them as you want us to. God, we're so thankful for, for this family, for this church. And we're so thankful that you have chosen us and that you are moving amongst us. And God, we pray that you would help us to get on board with what it is that you're doing. You would help us to be aware of your spirit at work. And that, God, we'd be quick to obey whatever it is you're calling us to. So, God, we thank you and we pray that you would fill us with your spirit and help us to to walk the way that you want us to. In Jesus' name, amen.